3: Welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for participating in our show, From Good to Amazing, and also sharing the show with your friends out there, because we all today need practical applications and ways in which we can move from good to amazing. Our featured guest today has indeed done that with his life many times over, and Tom Zinder, who is with us, is a true example of, in my opinion, the philosophy that a lot of people think that you do spirituality on the on Sunday, and then the rest of the week you do business ideas, whereas with Tom, it's very clear to him that they are both sides of the coin. And so, Tom Zinder, welcome to our show today, and thank you for the great work that you're doing in the world.
1: Thank you so much, Temple. It is uh, my honor and uh, and my joy to be with you today. Thank you for inviting me.
3: Well, Tom is a best-selling author. He's a recognized spiritual leader, and he's an extremely successful successful business executive. He has a broad experience in the business world with management positions in major American corporations, General Electric, Honeywell, and ITT. And you can read more about him on his website, Tom Zender. Tom, you're out in the workplace. You're very successful. You're on a lot of boards. How did you get from a place of good to amazing in your own life that led you to be in this place?
1: I believe uh, at the outset, Temple, I went through a major spiritual transformation in my life. Uh, most of my career was in uh, corporate America, large corporations that you mentioned, and also some mid-sized and some smaller ones, and even some entrepreneurial startups. And, uh, you know, at the surface level, at the material level, the human level, um, I certainly benefited from that in many different ways. And at the same time, um, you know, I felt some gnawing uh, internal internal something was missing, if I can put it that way, sometimes referred to as a hole in our soul, that the material world was no longer filling. And I was feeling that in particular in uh, the late 1990s. And I was feeling it at all levels, personal, professional, you name it, and it was fully present in front of me to the point of where I thought, you know, I uh, I need to do something. I need to do something different. And I, uh, I had heard about Unity and Unity Churches. I was familiar with the Daily Word, which I had been reading for a number of years. But on Easter Sunday of 1998, I went to a local Unity Church here in Southern California and was uh, really stunned by what I heard. And that began uh, a multi-year process of transformation for me. And I think that was the stepping stone to go from what was good to what ultimately became amazing, uh, not the least of which was uh, three years later, a little over three years later, I wound up as the, uh, the president and CEO of Unity. And uh, that continued uh, a significant spiritual transformation for me, but it also gave me a new opportunity to integrate uh, universal spiritual principles and practices in my work and also throughout the organization itself. And then that, of course, set the stage. My business career and uh, that part of my life devoted to the Unity organization as a, as a spiritual experience, it was really combining the two, of business and spirituality, that led me to become um, an author and, and voice a speaker for the power of spirituality in work workplaces business organizations and the economy
3: well I tell you one of the things I, I love about the work that you're doing Tom is you're just you're facing it um, head-on you're not talking around it I know there are a lot of people that do spiritual work that want to go into the workplace and present workshops and programs and things like that. I look at in my own uh, career as a speaker and, and teacher, I represented uh, Richard Carlson's Don't Sweat the Small Stuff um, for our, about three years. And, you know, that is a spiritual conversation, but it's not really called that. You know, it's kind of close to that. And I I love the way you're just saying here's the way it is God goes to work <laughs> and you you know and you you take that energy with you and it's a true uh, testament or example I think that when you're willing to live out loud on purpose and say this is part of my evolutionary process my path and because of my experiences I feel that this is essential and this is what the world is longing to hear at this particular time, it's, it's not uh, a surprise to me that it's immensely successful, because I hear that a lot as a speaking coach, uh, Tom, I hear people say to me, well, you know, um, my true interest is spirituality, but I know I can't really call it that, say that, or speak that, Because, you know, maybe uh, Coca-Cola may not hire me because that's too spiritual. What would be the way that you would address that or um, highlight that for other people in a way that it doesn't make it feel like separation but all one and the same?
1: You know, when when the founding people of of our country uh, were on the move to form the United States of America, it was clear that they did have an intention to separate, uh, quote, church and state, therefore religion and government, and they've been generally pretty successful at that on an ongoing basis. But they didn't say that we had to separate uh, spirituality and, um, and the workplace. And I think once uh, I think there's a trend in place, Temple, that says that an increasing number of people are understanding the similarities and differences of spirituality and religion, and uh, I believe the the choices increasingly become to lean more toward uh, spirituality, particularly expressed as universal spiritual principles and practices, and the carrying of that. And we also have an interesting uh, phenomena, I think, in the workplace that. You know ninety four percent of Americans believe in God. they believe in prayer. And uh, that's been restated repeatedly with various uh, research studies, ditto the Canadians. And yet uh, there's something that it's okay to uh, to have our spiritual principles and practices at home, in the evening, prayer before dinner. Uh, Definitely weekends, time in churches and centers and synagogues and temples and ashrams and you name it, that's all okay. But come 8 o'clock Monday morning, there's an interesting switch that goes off on many people, and we tend to live our work week in a much different style. So therefore, to go back to your question, I believe that we can, without even using the word God or spirit or whatever we want to call a higher power, a supreme being, whatever, I believe that we can conduct ourselves in thoughts, words, and actions that adhere to good spiritual principles, including, of all things, the golden rule, and carry ourselves and speak and act in ways in our workplaces that become effective. It infects other people and it creates an attraction where they seem to want more of it. And so we don't have to stand up in our desk and pray on Monday morning, but we can sit at our desk silently just momentarily and do just a few moments of meditation. We can read a little piece of spiritual material as we get started in our workday. We can keep a gratitude journal at our desk at the end of the day and record what were the really wonderful things that happened today in my workplace. And so we don't have to pitch it and preach it, but we absolutely can live it and carry it with us into the workplace.
3: I love that, I'm, and indeed, we know, um, like you were saying with the trends, it makes such a big difference in the environment, and one of the things that um, we always used to say is one of the number one things that motivates an employee is to feel appreciated, and when you're able or create an environment that allows them to express in a spiritual way, um, it doesn't get much better than that as far as the realm of appreciation and connection and gratitude and celebration of focusing on uh, collective goals and common themes and using Source, God, whatever they may call it, that wonderful power that they connect with, um, I know that in working with real estate companies, I used to go in and teach them the mastermind principle. Remember that one from uh, Jack Boland that kind of started that idea, at least in the unity movement. And they could track it of how many more sales they were able to have, uh, how much uh, more uh, success all the agents experienced, because they had a synergy that they were all in alignment together.
1: I think that's a great example, Temple, and I do love to look for uh, real-life cases of uh, those business entities, whether they're for-profit or you know profitable or profit companies, for-profit, non-profit, large and small, publicly held or not, that demonstrated and where it becomes very clear that they are in some way, even without stating it, uh, adhering to spiritual principles, and even practices in the workplace. A couple of notable examples are, uh, let me start with uh, Target Corporation, uh, based in Minneapolis, a huge corporation, Target stores and other kinds of stores, immensely profitable on a sustained basis even through difficult years, Um, but they're noted as a great place to work, most especially for years they've been giving 5% of their pre-tax profits to global humanitarian causes. Uh, customers know it, and those customers who know it are loyal because we know when we buy something there a little bit of it goes to a good cause somewhere. And so there's one example, I believe, and another one, a more recent example, would be Google. The 107th employee of Google uh, happened to be a Buddhist, and he went to the management of the still startup company at the time and said, I think we should teach meditation. It will help us treat each other well, our customers well. It will help us be more creative. It will help us be more calm. We'll have a a better workplace. Management bought it, and so he became the teacher. They now have 30,000 employees. They are immensely successful, another great place to work, good products and services, and uh, and profitable. And so here are two examples, and Apple is another one. Apple, I believe, also has uh, taught, um, allowed meditation teaching to be present in their company, and Google even has places in their facilities where their employees can go and meditate for a while. So these are very well-stated examples of spiritual practices being present in the workplace on a more formalized basis, if I can put it that way.
3: Well, when you um, hear about these various things, is it that kind of aha that inspired you and said, you know, look, I really need to put this in form of a book so words can have meaning and depth and people can use them and actually to benefit? How How did the book... Uh, God goes to work, come into life for you.
1: great question, and I love to tell it. <laughs> I love to tell the story
3: well it was it
1: I had been uh, getting more and more deeply involved in the local unity church near me here in Southern California, and uh, our minister at that time had a lot of great guests. Uh, she was amazing in terms of the kinds of people she could draw to speak at the church. Including of all of all people, uh, Eckhart Tolle before he became really well known and famous, uh, Ram Das, many others. But one one guest speaker one Sunday morning was Joel Fotinos. and Joel happens to be um, a couple of things. Number one, he's the senior editor of the Mind Body Spirit division of Penguin Putnam. Secondly, Joel is, um, um, I believe. Um, a practitioner in another New Thought community, Centers for Spiritual Living or Divine Science, I can't remember. But he gave a wonderful talk about, um, you know, everybody's got a book in us and we want to get it out. Well, here are some ways to get it out and market it and write it and so forth. And I was, I was galvanized. I couldn't take notes fast enough. And he had a workshop in the afternoon, a three-hour workshop. And, of course, I stuck around and I went to the workshop and my notebook was filling up. And all of a sudden I got, and this was year 2000, uh, all of a sudden I got this, uh, (laughs) I was overcome with the title. Uh, Just all of a sudden there it was, God Goes to Work, and I wrote it down and I thought this has to happen someday. Well, I didn't know when someday was, and I think what Spirit had in mind for me was to go off to Unity Village thereafter for six years and... uh, helped the organization, and that was the time, again, of the greater integration of, of business and spirituality. So when I uh, left Unity Village in 2007, within a year, the book was on its way, and I did see truth temple. I saw an article in Business Week magazine. It was a front page article um, about spirituality in the workplace, and I thought it was stunning that that kind of magazine would produce that kind of an article as a front page main article and i read it and i gobbled it up and then i began to see other other threads other streams of activity with this early tendency about the value of spirituality in the workplace and that really spurred me on to write write the first book
3: and it immediately became a success didn't it tom
1: yeah it did and and um the impact of course, is one it's a continuing impact. The book is in a certain way timeless um, I'm sure someday that it'll need to be revised, but it um it created a a standard, a platform for more of the same, not only from me and but from other authors and I don't mean to say, temple, that I was the first one. There were other authors long before me that we're nibbling at this whole concept of something greater than ourselves available to us in our work lives. Um, and so I think we're seeing the rise of a trend that is persisting and gaining momentum. One, one big indicator for me was when I went looking for um, a publisher through an agent for, this, for the first book, I thought it would be the mind-body-spirit division of some publisher. And uh, interestingly, uh, one of the publishers that was pursued was John Wiley and Sons, who's a huge major global publisher in all kinds of different books, definitely in business books and textbooks. But they also have a mind-body-spirit division. And the senior editor of that division turned my manuscript down and didn't want it. But a week later, the senior editor of the business books division stepped up and said, I do want it. And so I thought, hmm, the business people are kind of getting this. And uh, that was striking to me.
3: It showed all along that the idea that you had in, in 2000, it, that it truly was an idea whose time has come. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing more of what you have to say, Tom, after we come back from break. Those of you that are taking a time out, you can go to tomzender.com We also love to hear your comments on Amazing at unity.fm so be sure and get in touch with me and if you haven't signed up already for our cruise you don't want to miss that opportunity to join us in november you want to hurry up and do it because the spots are filling fast i'm temple hayes and i'm grateful that all of you are with us today we'll be right back online radio is bringing the message of unity to tens of thousands of spiritual seekers around the world if you have been served by this programming we invite you to support it by visiting www.unity.fm and clicking on donate now thank you for your support
2: daily word inspiration and practical teachings to help people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful
0: lives. My mind and body are in an ongoing conversation. My body responds to my thoughts and my mind continually receives messages from my body, especially when something is out of order. However, I am more than mind and body. I am created in the image and likeness of God. I am first and foremost spirit. As I bring my spiritual awareness into the conversation between mind and body, I keep myself in balance. I know my body and its needs. I nurture it with food and water, rest and exercise. I also send an affirmation of life and renewal to every cell of my being. With spirit-centered thoughts, words, and actions, I claim my true identity as a whole and healthy expression of God, mind, body, and spirit.
2: Daily Word magazine is now available in a digital format. To learn how you can subscribe to this online interactive magazine, go to www.dailyword.com.
0: this year and we're throwing the biggest bash of all a cruise to the caribbean november 10 through 17 2012 we'll celebrate in style aboard holland america lines Eurodam, with sunshine fine dining and a selection of island excursions at beautiful ports of call in the eastern caribbean plus feed your spirit with music message and meditation your favorite hosts will be there, and we hope you will join us too as we celebrate five years of spiritual programming at Unity Online Radio. For more information, visit www.unity.fm forward slash cruise. Thank you for tuning in for From Good to Amazing with Rev. Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at amazing at unity.fm. Now, here's your host, Rev. Temple Hayes.
3: Welcome back, everyone. And again, thank you so much for spreading the word with your friends about our Incredible show, which we are fortunate to have such dynamic guest as Tom Zender today, author of God Goes to Work has made such an impact um, in uh, the corporate world as well as the spiritual uh, worlds, including Unity, of course, having been the CEO of six years. And Tom is traveling the globe with his work and, and getting people to see. As Deepak Chopra said so clearly about Tom, I wanted to share this with you. Tom's understanding of both spirituality and business has led him to the knowledge that the two are not separate entities, They are two sides of the same coin. He definitely shows their integration in this timely book. Tom, what are some of the practical steps that help people rediscover the essence of spiritual transactions in their work?
1: I think just kind of rolling back to uh, the earliest times of the human experience, uh, we can say that it is highly possible and probable that the very first so-called business transactions were spiritually based. We were trying to help each other. We were uh, working to feed each other and house each other and clothe each other and protect each other. And just that very act of being interested in helping someone else from a, uh, let me call it a business perspective. Uh, through the trading of energy and the trading of food and so forth. It was spiritually based. It had to be. And um, and I think that was true for millennia, and then uh, the various shifts came, one of which was uh, the work of uh, Sir Isaac Newton, uh, the father of modern material physics. And Newton struck uh, a set of of laws as to how things work and uh, with respect to mechanical workings, ropes and pulleys and gears and cogs and so forth, and that's really how business uh, became, Uh, particularly in the world of management. It became a uh, top-down, fixed mechanical, hierarchical kind of almost machine-like and that doesn't mean that it was not good or always unkind, but it was what it was. It was mechanical and it was kind of fixed. And I think in more recent times, the quantum physicists have taught us something else, and that is that uh, the evolving organizations can be more organic, less mechanical, more uh, collaborative, uh, of a higher nature, and that's not to say that we shouldn't have both. Once again, our Western thinking tends to be black and white, either or, on and off, as, a, as opposed to both and. And I think that the quantum world is saying both and, that we can have the kinds of management philosophies that we've had before and have business term transactions stem from the more Newtonian view of the world but also now leading into the more quantum view, and we can have both. It would be tough to run a factory, for example, without some Newtonian-derived principles and practices in place. But in terms of other aspects of business, particularly interpersonal relationships uh, are a great place for what I have called in the book spiritually-based transactions or spiritual transactions. So what is that? I think it's recognition uh, that I am the people that I'm working with, whether it's a prospect, a customer, another employee, a shareholder, of, uh, a stakeholder of some kind, people in the community around me, that I see us as spiritual beings, that I reach inside of myself and I reach inside of somebody else and say, knowing this, knowing our true spiritual nature, how will I conduct business with this person? Once again, I will construct thoughts and words and actions that speak of kindness, empathy, caring, compassion, honesty, integrity, and ultimately I will breed trust. I can quote endless examples in my own life of where I will go into a place of business and conduct a transaction and wish I hadn't. In too many cases, it was a new car I drove home and said, oh, gee, (laughs) Uh, I'd like to redo this one. <laughs> but I've also, I've been, all, I've also been in those kinds of transactions, including the most recent car that I bought, where it was really, it was a spiritually based transaction. It absolutely was. It felt like it, and I will, I, I will happily do business again with that dealer and that particular type of car. And I tell my friends about it, and so forth. So that's just a little bit of a of, of a contrast for. Spiritual transactions that are an art, and the characteristics of the kinds of people that conduct them, and even the facilities. You and I have both walked into various places of business where it feels good, it feels right. it's just we know our soul knows it. We've also been in the other kind of facility where we really don't want to be there, and it has little to do with a decor, It doesn't necessarily mean that it has been feng shuied, although it might have been. So spiritual transactions are essential, I believe, to good business. Whether we call them that or not, apply the word spiritual to them or not, but when they're from our soul and there is caring about the other participants in those transactions, it really, really works. And it works and- repeatedly and it works over long periods of time.
3: And it's so true, and, and for those of you that are listening and going, yeah, whatever, are uh, having a moment that your you know left brain is wanting to quest um, question some of the concepts. I would urge you to go to the mall, and you can clearly see. Uh, you can have one, uh, store that's selling, uh, you know, hand, uh, body lotion and smelly creams and blah, blah. And no one be in the store. And four doors down, it can be the same product and, uh, there's a line out the door. You know, what is that difference? It's exactly what you're talking about, Tom. It's that, it's, it's that people are people. And people won't ever be products. There's always going to be that energy exchange that makes such a difference in our experience with it. Um, I, I just think it's so powerful what you're offering. And and it urges people to get out of the box of the same way that, that we've always done it. And, you know, people are looking to be part of organizations and companies now where uh they are treated like people and and human beings and ha- asking someone to come in and giving a third if not more than their lives to a place and at the end they're going to give give them a 30 uh, you know a little pin um, <laughs> that's no longer impactful or exciting is it is it
1: no it's not i think people are attracted to spiritual transactions and our quantum physicists also teach us that there is um, an unseen force, and the honest ones will call it a spiritual force where it is attractive we are attracted to each other when when we think, speak, and act in these ways and this you know the founder the, the co-founder of unity Charles Fillmore, wrote a stunning book uh, about the atom, and he was really without using the word quantum describing what the quantum physicists are telling us that that spirit is present in all people and all things, and if we understand that and know that, we have we have the capacity, the the built in capacity to um, to think and speak and act in ways that attract prospects, attract customers, attract good business, and it's a two way street in the sense that when I as a vendor behave that way. Um, people want to come back and do business with me. I'm also attracted to certain customers. I've had customers in the past, Temple, where I didn't really want to do business with them anymore, and I just let them go, knowing that other customers would come forth that would be better customers for me and my organization.
3: Me too. I mean, I've been approached by organizations that you know, the leaders, they, they have a mantra about how overwhelmed they are, how busy they are, and their own, this uh, gerbil wheel. They just can't even stop long enough to, you know, breathe, take a breath, take a time out and see that um, they are the leaders and that's what they're carrying around and that's what they're modeling to everybody else around them so they can't see that their whole team underneath them is doing exactly the same thing. Um, and in that, I, I too, I, I agree with you, I've declined working with them because who needs to ever be that busy or that important you know, that they can't take a five-minute phone call? I mean, it's just—it's amazing to me.
1: Sure, one of the, one of the uh, additional thoughts that I write about uh, in concert with, in conjunction with spiritual transactions, I would call spiritual assets. And the idea is that I believe that uh, we are all um, given, at the spiritual level, uh, certain uh, certain indelible assets. We are given love, lovingness, we are given empathy, we are given uh, compassion and caring and honesty and integrity and trust and on and on and on the list goes. And I believe that those become then the fuel for conducting spiritual transactions and that as we conduct spiritual transactions, there's also a feedback that when, when the spiritual transactions are working they feed back and strengthen our native spiritual assets. And so to the extent that we can do some self-examination or work with others, people like you, Temple, coaches, um, ministers, mentors, advisors, teachers, to uncover our spiritual assets, to know what they are, and to strengthen them, then that helps us in the business setting uh, with our spiritually-based transactions. I can also say that, you know, as time passed, I became more aware of my own spiritual assets, and I can also say that I also became more aware of what I might call my spiritual liabilities. You know, there are certain parts of Tom Zender that aren't always in keeping with um, the kinds of spiritual values that I would prefer to have, and I have to work on those, but I have to uncover them, and then I have to be willing to transform them and strengthen them so that I do a better job in not only my work life, but also my personal life.
3: Well, I know that uh, we have many listeners today that are thinking about, wow, um, I I need to know more. I'm working in a company that they're not uh, coming from a place that, you know, God goes to work, and I really want to see that happen and would be part of that change. I think one of the things that we could say is that um, to definitely have copies of your book available to coworkers, but what are some of the effective ways that you would say um, help create a spiritual environment in someone's work, especially people that feel that uh, you know they're not the main individuals in charge? What can they do to start making a difference and bring these concepts into their business life?
1: I'm glad that you, uh, that you mentioned the words, Temple, uh, spiritual environment, because that's what we create. When, when we consciously choose to use spiritually based transactions that are born out of our spiritual assets on some sustained ba- basis in a workplace, we are, in fact, creating a spiritual, a spiritual environment, a spiritually-based workplace. And we don't have to put signs on the wall. We don't have to stand up on our desks and preach. It becomes that way. It, it, people are attracted to spiritual transactions and spiritually-based assets. And so they want to join in. And so that leads to some words that are often used, grassroots. Ideally, when leadership gets it and they decide, yes, we want to create a greater spiritual environment in our business, our company, our nonprofit, or whatever it is, well and good. But I think that the idea of individuals, regardless of whatever management position they may or may not have, they may have no management or supervisory position, if each individual will carry uh, their spiritual selves, their inner spiritual nature into their workplace on a daily sustained basis and just think, speak, and act in those ways that would help create a better work environment for those around them, uh, that will go a long, long way. Once again, there's an attractor at work. And I believe that most people will be attracted to that and they will begin to behave that way. It's the old idea of Laughter is infectious. And so one employee, even in challenging circumstances, who exhibits uh, some level of joy and humor and kind of an upbeat attitude and also a caring attitude, seeing another employee who may be struggling with um, a family situation, uh, an illness challenge, or whatever it might be, reaching out to them and say, hey, uh, how about I take care of this for you? You go home, uh, you go take care of whatever you got to take care of i'll fill in for you while you're while you're away. those I think those kinds of people that act and behave and think that way, they attract other people into that same sphere of behavior and it grows
3: and it, don't you think one of the reasons is because to be kind and compassionate and have empathy and know that it takes all of us, we're all the spoke on the wheel, uh, and all of us are indeed necessary. Don't you feel that that's why if one or two or three people start that right now in their companies and their business, they'll see it just become like fire? Because that's more natural of who we are.
1: It is more natural. It is fire. It is... uh... It's, it's non-linear, it's exponential. You know, there, there is the spiritual axiom of wherever two or more are gathered uh, in a positive way, in my name, there is huge energy in that, and it spills over and attracts others into that pool. I think that we do naturally behave that way as humans. Most humans want to behave that way. At a, at a human level, we would call it... Teamwork. At a spiritual level, we might call it oneness, and it's not to separate those two; they're integral. So when we can behave as uh, what does David Hawkins call it, "homo spiritus," the the uh, the the human spiritual woven together as an integral. Wow, what power in that!
3: Oh yeah, and how it empowers others too to just want to. Be better, want to make the company better, and want to be part of being change agents rather than resisting change because most people that are resisting change are just underneath there. They're just declaring they're not happy. Well, I appreciate all of you listening to us today. Again, I'm Temple Hayes and you're listening to From Good to Amazing. Thanks for sharing this work for, with your friends. And thank you most importantly to su- Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We are definitely part of the change in this tremendous world that we live in. And we will be right back with our featured author today, Tom Zender, God Goes to Work. And you can learn more about Tom and find out how to get his book on tomzender.com. We'll be right back.
0: He's the most talked-about figure in history. How do you see Jesus? As a savior, a way-shower, a mythical hero? In his cutting-edge new book, Jesus 2.1, an upgrade for the 21st century, Rev. Dr. Thomas Shepard explores the many human concepts of Jesus.
2: The man of Nazareth has been an imaginary spiritual playmate for millions. Best friend, confidant, silent lover, surrogate father, brother, husband, trusted king when earthly governments fail all-purpose superhero who'll save the day before the final credits roll jesus is like a program that has been adapted through the ages while the basic code remains undisturbed despite all subsequent modifications now it is our time to rewrite and reinstall the jesus program with updates for today just as every previous generation has done and every subsequent generation will do the romans killed jesus for being a revolutionary Every succeeding generation kills him anew by losing sight of the ongoing revolution in human consciousness that he represents.
0: Explore the new book, Jesus 2.1, at www.shopunity.org.
2: the voice of an awakening world.
0: Letting
3: go in the stillness.
0: We now return to From Good to Amazing with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes.
3: Thank you, everyone, and most importantly, I just want to acknowledge all of you that are listening and and just say thank you for willing your willingness to step up and move from good to amazing. And one of the ways that we know clearly that we're able to do that is when we realize that we're spiritual wherever we are, that really there's no way that we can be anything less than that. And when you get that reality and you're attentive to it, then you take that space of grace and and that spiritual awareness into your workplace and work doesn't become the thing that you have to do but it becomes truly part of your life that you look forward to one of the people that's helping um, as a change agent in that awareness is tom zender author of god goes to work and tom it's it's really a pleasure speaking with you today and learning about some ways that people can move from good to amazing in the workplace there are many spiritual practices. I know that you offer and ways that people stay in touch with you on your website. You also have a um, one-minute meditations for the workplace.
1: I do, and that's uh, that's my most uh, recent book, and it recognizes the fact that we have an opportunity if we choose to, uh, to carry not only the spiritual ideas of spiritual transactions, spiritual assets, creating a spiritual environment, we have some pretty specific universal spiritual practices that we can carry with us into the workplace. Um, I'm reminded of uh, a long-ago television advertising series done by American Express. It may have been so long ago <laughs> they were in black and white. But at any rate, uh, the spokesperson was uh, a well-known actor by the name of Carl uh, Malden, and the punchline at the end of the advert of the uh, of the ads that they were running was "Don't leave home without it," meaning "Don't leave home without your American Express card." And I think, in that same vein, you know, in a in a, in a certain way. We can't get rid of God if we want to, you know we're, we're kind of stuck with God, whether we like it or not, but what what shifts and changes is something that you said, Temple, Our conscious awareness of the presence of spirit of God, whatever you want to call uh, this higher power it's always present with us, so why not avail ourselves of the the loving intelligence that it represents so um, I do advocate some some pretty common spiritual practices in the workplace. And again, it, it can all be inaudible. We don't have to say it. We don't have to preach it, pitch it, to convert anybody from anything to anything else. But, uh, let's just talk a little bit about some of them. Prayer. I mentioned earlier that 94% of American people and, and, uh, Canadian people believe in the power of prayer. So in the workplace, uh, not necessarily saying prayers out loud, although in some business places that does happen. Um, Now, I happen to be on the board of directors of a a corporation here in Southern California where we do pray audibly at the beginning of every board meeting, and the board members take turns, and they are of different uh, spiritual, religious persuasions, but we honor each other's expression of, Prayer. But just uh, when I'm sitting at my desk, there's really nothing that can stop me from saying just a little brief prayer. It can be uh, just, uh, their Spirit, uh, lead me through this workday with grace and ease and lightness. Let me be of service to you and others. Or the word blessing to many people means to confer good upon. So before I pick up the phone and call a prospect or a customer... I can just silently to myself say, Bless you. Uh, after I hang up the phone, I can say, Bless you, particularly if they turn me down and they're not going to buy something from me. Bless you. Uh, another employee, to pray for other employees, to pray uh, to bless them is easy and effective. And, you know, <laughs> it's 24 by 7, it's free, it's so simple. You know the the files at, in Silent Unity are lined with testimonials to the power of prayer from uh, hundreds of thousands of people. So to just do that very simply, quietly, and effectively in the workplace seems simple enough for me. Prayer of gratitude at the end of the day. You know, thank you for a great workday. Thank you for my job. Thank you for the opportunity to serve. Uh, we talked a little bit about meditation uh, uh, being taught at Google and other places. Uh, there is really no rule that says that in my workplace or my workstation that I can't just take a few moments to just qu- just to go quiet. Conceivably, close my eyes if I can, and just to relax and refresh, and just acknowledge in conscious awareness that uh, that that the divine is with me. Um, meditation is an interesting thing. There's certainly uh, the opportunity to meditate for longer periods of time before I go to work and after I leave work. And, um, you know, St. Francis is a well-known Italian saint, St. Francis of Assisi, lesser known as St. Francis de Sales of France. And uh, he once said, um, 20 minutes of meditation is essential unless you're too busy, and then an hour of meditation is essential.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I love that, Tom. That's powerful. (laughs) So when
1: we say, well, we don't have time, I say, okay, take a minute, take five minutes, take ten minutes or whatever it is, and just become more centered, become more consciously aware of the divine in my workday. Another one is um, a gratitude journal. I mentioned that earlier. I have a gratitude journal. Sometimes it's strictly mental. Sometimes I literally write it on pieces of paper. What am I grateful for today that has to do with my work life? Um, for some people, uh, light music when possible, uh, effective, relaxing, transformative music is a good thing, whether it's audible to others or through earphones if possible or just low volume, can be a very effective um, spiritual practice. Uh, and there are, there are many, many others. So the spirit of giving uh, to other employees, uh, to people outside the organization, the extra measure given to a customer when I really don't have to, but if I can, just just give a little more to them, give a little more to anybody give to the community around me, um, those are additional, I think, Temple, I believe in my heart that humor is a spiritual practice. When um, I can lighten up my own day and somebody else's day with appropriate humor, it can go a long way to uplifting an entire uh, work environment. And so, uh, you know, you know and others know and I know that there are a myriad of spiritual practices of my own of my own doing that I can effectively take into my workplace and utilize, and it can make a big, big difference in the, the quality of my work and my work day.
3: And what you're saying, Tom, is that um, it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be yet the one more thing. Um, that people have to think about doing. It could be something as simple as daily meditations, uh, a little book there on your desk. Um, It could be uh, just being kinder, you know, raising the bar by 10%. I love a lot of the practical examples that you're giving because it doesn't have to be complicated. I mean, I told people in stress management, You can just um, once a day, you know, walk around the building, go outside, um, you know, just make that connection again. Little things like that go a long way in the course of a day. For those people that are thinking out there that, well, I'm not really sure what meditation is, um, will your book offer um, some guidance? Tell us a little bit about the types of meditations that's in your book, Tom.
1: Uh, Thank you, uh, Temple. Uh, The book itself is is, um, a one-minute meditation per day on a different subject, but it all relates to work, work workplace, business, customers, um, business practices, processes, etc. And it's written out for the reader, and um, it includes um, a word for the day, an affirmation, um, some text, some uplifting text, something to remember, uh, a quote from some relevant individual. And uh, the book does not teach meditation per se. There are uh, plenty of books available from Unity and many, many other sources that can teach meditation of different kinds. This book is simply a a meditative practice of sitting down for a minute, reading something perhaps at the beginning of the workday or during the workday as a way of Remembering, a conscious remembrance, a conscious contact with the, le- the living spirit within to draw upon that power to nurture us through our workday. So, uh, one one minute meditations at work is the title of the book. Uh, all of my books are available from a variety of sources, including Amazon.com, BarnesandMobile.com, and others. But that particular book is just, um, a daily reminder uh, to be in touch with the divine.
3: Well, those are the kind of books that I enjoy the most, and I think that's why How to Speak Unity, the one that I uh, wrote. Over a year ago, gosh, that's hard to believe. Um, is such a, a great success because it's just one page, you know, and and that is what people are looking for now. Just some, I love to take a book like yours and just open it up and say, "What is the word I need right now?" You know, yeah. and use that as kind of my my guiding energy for the course of the day. And I know that it has been a tremendous success for, for many people in the unity and in the uh, the other spiritual movements, the New Thought movements. And thank you for the work that you do in New Thought, by the way. Really appreciate well, you're, that. You're
1: welcome. You're welcome. I, I believe that, um, you know, the New Thought participants in some some form of unification uh, bring really, really good energy, good energy. Um, goodness to our world and it's uh, it's just a pleasure to be part of that
3: well i know that you and i have had conversations before and truly the you know the philosophy and the beliefs that we have in, in new thought are life changing and life altering and they they really do um, incorporate the and answers to, to a world that's seeking uh, with very significant questions. Tom, I want to thank you for joining us today. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Look forward to having you on again. And most importantly, for the work that you're doing out there in the world and teaching people that God goes to work. I'm Temple Hayes, everyone, and I want to thank you for being with us today and again for sharing the great message of our show, From Good to Amazing.
0: Warning.
2: After listening to the Oneness Program Fridays at 11 a.m. Central on Unity Online Radio, people have reported feeling a profound stillness in body and mind that continues well into the weekend. Others have found that their internal quiet is matched by a flow and ease in relationships and daily activities. Join Reverend Dr. Patricia Keel for the Oneness Program. And experience the oneness blessing. Friday mornings, 11 a.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
3: Only takes a moment Take a moment now To reflect on these words From Reverend Joan Gattuso According to an ancient Hindu teaching If you can only speak the truth And tell no lies Either minuscule or outrageous For 12 consecutive years You can attain enlightenment A noble being will always tell the truth Do you? Begin now with the first step of simply noticing if you do tell the truth immediately or if your first instinct is to alter the facts a bit. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may
0: become enlightened.
2: This meditative moment is brought to you by
3: Unity.